Thanks for listening to the show. Join us online at playvolutionhq.com and learn how to support the show at explorationsearlylearning.com slash support. Welcome to Renegade Rules. Kick back, settle in, and let us fill your ear holes with early learning information, wisdom, and advice. And now, here's Heather and Jeff. Welcome to Renegade Rules. Jeff Johnson here with Heather Shoemaker. Heather, how you doing? I'm doing well. I'm pretty feeling pretty free. <laughs> well, that's that's good. <laughs> it's it's a it's a beautiful day here in Iowa. I think the wind chill last time I looked was it's a couple degrees below, but then we've got uh, about it's about thirty below with the wind chill, and it looks beautiful out. But I'm glad I'm inside recording with you instead of out there. <laughs> I don't, I don't know what I'd be doing, but, um, Hey, I was, I was wondering about this. We've, uh, I'm, I, I talk to people about play a lot and trusting kids to lead their own play and the image a lot of people get in their head when they think about a room full of children leading their own play, leading their own learning, being, being powerful and in control of their, their time and activities. People kind of expect that's going to be chaos and that's not necessarily the way it unfolds. There's are actually a lot more uh, self-limiting and limits that you can put into uh, those environments with the way you set up the environments and those kind of things. So I was wondering if you could talk to me about limits. Yes. Yeah, I think that that, in fact, that's how I started off my first book, It's Okay Not to Share, was I had first chapter all about play and free play and the importance of play and but the next chapter is about limits because they go absolutely hand in hand and I think a lot of people who are new at this um, this kind of way of approaching working with children or raising children is they go from complete disciplinarian and authoritarian style to complete free-for-all or maybe they start with the free-for-all but they don't they don't realize that there is some order to the chaos and that it's not letting your child do whatever she wants and run all over you and you have no life and no say. It's not that your child is destroying the property. It's not a free-for-all. Free play is totally different than a free-for-all, and that's something a lot of people, I think, misunderstand about some of this philosophy of play yeah. is that, they're different, and the word free is in both of them, but free-for-all and, and free play are different animals. They're different things. Well, and people think renegade rules. Um, I mean, the renegades don't don't set limits. Renegades are, are I don't know what renegades, I'm, I'm so far from a <laughs> renegade, I, I, I wouldn't know how to do it, but I, I think uh, uh, people don't think about renegades as having limits either, so that's, uh, right. that's a Right, and limits is a huge and essential part of it. It's I think limits, it, it, it's another way of talking about respect, that everybody has limits, that they don't want something, you know, touching their body or they don't want to be treated a certain way or, or they don't want something to be broken, or whatever it might be, that in order to um, keep people, um, hold them with respect, we need to set limits and respect those limits. Um, so here's an example. In play... Some parents um, sort of think, oh, my child is so imaginative and so creative, and I don't want to uh, 
dampen her great imagination. I don't want to stop any of her play because isn't it wonderful? She's so creative. Mm -hmm. And for an example, one set of parents that took this too far without realizing that they had rights and limits themselves. Yes, children have rights, but so do adults. Uh, Their daughter, I think she was three, she uh, was in a phase of playing doggy. Mm -hmm. And so she was the dog. And because she was a dog, she wanted to be fed from a dog dish on the floor. So they um, gave her her food in a bowl on the floor, and then she wanted the dog dish to be um, at the table, but she was going to eat like a dog. And then she wanted the dog dish in the middle of the table, and she would crawl on top of the table and act like a dog at the dining table on top of it and eat from her bowl there. And they were thinking, (laughs) yeah, let this sink in a moment. That would be a delightful dinner party. Yes, but this is our creative child. She's wanting to be a dog, and we should just go with it. They were afraid to set a limit. Uh-huh. They thought they shouldn't set a limit. They were trying to be this kind of, uh, a, you know, celebrate play kind of parent. Uh-huh. <laughs> and they didn't realize that, yes, your child can be a dog in her play, but you have a right to set limits for how people eat at the dinner table. Um, in fact, you're doing her a disservice if you don't set some limits there. You're doing yourselves a disservice. So um, just being told by preschool teachers that, yes, um, she can be a dog, but when it's dinner time, she needs to come and be a person and, you know, sit at the table properly. And you don't have to put up with your three-year-old taking command of the dinner table by prancing around on top of the table as a dog. So where where do you where do you set the limit there? Um because frankly, for me, the kid eating snack out of a bowl on the floor once, maybe twice, would kind of be hilarious. Um, when it gets to the table and on the table and that kind of stuff, I'd I, I, I'd, I'd have a problem with that. But I, I I I personally might go with the flow one or two times if it was just a snack or something with the dish on the floor eaten like a puppy. It, does that make mm-hmm. me bad? <laughs> you know, I think there's all kinds of of um, uh, places where you could draw the boundary, uh-huh. and I think there's um, yeah. I, I would I would sort of side with you that if there's play going on and it, the kids are hungry and it's snack time and they want to eat. You know, or, or your daughter or son wants to eat out of the bowl um, in the middle of this play, and it's not a meal time; it's just they're hungry. Yeah, you know what the heck. But then needing to know where your boundaries are. Yeah. And say now it's you know now it's lunch time or now it's dinner time, and we come to the table. You can go back to being a dog right after we finish, but we eat at the table like people, and we use knives and forks, and this is how we do it. Yeah. Yeah. It, that's just, but, but being firm in your own convictions that this is where it is. And, um, yeah, it's well, going to maybe be slightly different for certain families or certain people. Absolutely. Some people might go a little bit more one way, some might be, and none of that's wrong. But then I think you also need to be, wherever you are comfortable in your own family, um, just realizing you have a say as an adult, that yeah. you don't have to let things you know, kids can trample all over you if, if, if you they let think them, yeah. it's fun. And if you don't think it's fun, there's a reason. There's probably a reason why you don't think it's fun. And listen to that voice and figure out, oh, I think maybe I let them go too far in what I'm comfortable with. And then 
um, reassert a limit there. But besides what you're comfortable in your own family or your own classroom, there's what the public expects. So there's sort of private limits and then there's public ones. So maybe maybe in your family you're okay with that, even at the dining table, mm-hmm. but not when Aunt Gertrude comes over for dinner. Yeah. You know, that's, then it becomes public or when you go out to a restaurant or whatever it is. There's, there's a higher uh, level of standards when, once you open it up to other people. Yeah, and the thing about limits is they provide some structure. And one thing we have to remember about kids is that they want structure. I think we all crave some structure. It's, and, and like everything else, it's going to be different from person to person and, and family to family. But that that kind of structure it, it shows them where the uh, where the boundaries are, where the borders are, and and that's that's comforting when you're three or four years old. Right. Yeah. And a lot of the play that I celebrate in my books, um, let's say rough and tumble play, wrestling and boxing, and you know banging each other's with swim noodles, whatever it is. Well, that kind of play is all welcome, but it's not all welcome at every moment of the day. Yeah. In every location, uh-huh. you know, so every kind of play can be, you know, playing doggy can be just fine. Playing a whack each other on the head can be just fine. But you have to um, realize that you can set limits on when it's happening, where it's happening, to whom it's happening. You know, if you're in this, do you have to be in the same room as what this is going on? So there's lots of ways that you can set limits to protect the noise level that you're hearing, to protect property, to protect kids' feelings. Um, and when we're teaching kids to speak up and say, hey, I didn't like that when you, you know, fill in the blank. I didn't like that when you pulled my shirt or when you stepped on my giraffe or whatever the scenario is, mm-hmm. that we as adults can also say that. I don't like that when you, you know, use your voice so loud it hurts my ears. If you need to use your voice that loudly, do it in this room or, um, you know, go outside. It's that sort of realizing that you as an adult have rights because sometimes in our effort to uh, help support children's play, we kind of walk all over ourselves and walk all over our own rights. And that's something that some adults have a lot harder time with than others. Yeah, yeah. And so if you are kind of new to the idea of limits or you've been kind of wishy-washy with them and you decide you're going to give this a go, I'm guessing kids are going to gonna fall into line and be, be on board with you right away when you start setting those limits? Oh, yeah, instantaneously. <laughs> well, it's well, the good. same thing. <laughs> yeah, just, just add water and stir. <laughs> there might be some pushback. Well, there's going to be a transition time, uh-huh. and if this is new to you, um, uh, it's very tempting just to slide back into what you're familiar with, even if you're not pleased with it, but it's familiar at least. <laughs> um, it can be hard to stand your ground. And you know, read, read the chapter on limits. It's, uh, it's, in, it's okay not to share. It's a really basic and clear outline of how you can go about this, what kinds of limits, um, but just like starting off with sharing, if you're going to start trying to have your child take a long turn and, and give it up when she's ready, just like implementing something new like that, it's going to 
usually have a time of testing and trial by the child because Mm -hmm. they're used to things going a certain way. And if you're changing things, then there will be a time of, of testing. And so you have to sort of be doubly ready firm in your convictions yeah. um, at that time of testing. And it, and depending on the age of the child, and uh, I think it's perfectly fine to say, you know, um, we've been doing this, and now we're going to do this. Yeah. You know, announce it. Because, uh, you know, all of us fall into what we're used to. Uh-huh. Yeah, so yeah. So give them a little warning. Things are going to be different now. <laughs> Things are going to be different. There's a new sheriff. There's the same sheriff in town, but uh, he's got a different new strategy. <laughs> Yeah, new badge. Same sheriff, new badge. <laughs> I like that one. And and as we we've got to well, we set limits. We've also got to remember that they're going to be flexible because that child is going to be a different child in three weeks. I mean, especially the younger they are, the faster they develop. It seems, and so there, those limits are going to need to evolve and change and and alter over time as as the the child and the situations change. Yeah, and you know, if you're confused about this, just go back to that golden renegade rule, which is it's okay if it's not hurting people or property, because if you don't know what limit to set, say that to yourself, it's okay if it's not hurting people or property, and think, okay, why is this bothering me? Is it hurting people? Is it hurting property? Is it, you know, it could be hurting your decorum of the dinner table. Well, that's hurting people if it's hurting your your, your sense of how we eat together, you know. So what is it that's bothering you? And then you'll probably have a better understanding of what kind of limit to set if you can understand what it is that, that's not feeling right. Yeah. Uh, along and even the, though children oh, change, that basic, basic premise doesn't change. Yeah, yeah. Along these lines, I think it, it can probably be helpful and uh, uh, just informative if we pay a little bit attention to the limits kids are setting on their own. Because it, it's happening maybe a lot more than some parents and caregivers think. I think about rough and tumble play we were talking about a couple minutes ago. Kids uh, kind of build their own rules. If you, if you read Peter Gray, he talks about how, how play has internal rules set by the, uh, the players. And, and kids kind of set those limits for themselves about what's allowed and what's not allowed in, in their play. And, and so that's going on all the time, although we as the adults aren't always paying attention to it. Right, we don't always value it for the complex negotiation that it is. Yeah, and when it, that that that's uh, that comes into play, I think when we're we're talking about risk and risk taking as well, because kids kids are curious about the world, but they're also want to not be hurt, and so there's a lot of a lot of self regulation, a lot of a lot of limit setting going on in in risky time, kinds of play too. When they're climbing trees and they go up to a level that they're comfortable with and don't go beyond that, and so just being aware of that as the adult in the room can kind of be a can kind of be a useful thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. And another point on limits, which I think you know, if you're hearing this and you think, oh yeah, that's me. You know, it's, um, it, it's going to apply more to some people than others. But a lot of, of adults, parents, mothers, fathers, etc., are thinking, if I set the limit, my kid won't like me anymore. Yeah. You know, they're, we are afraid as adults to lose the affection of the children by setting a limit. Mm-hmm. And really, 
that's the opposite. They want us to be limit setters. They need us to be the parents. They need us to step up and parent. And they may be mad at us for a few moments. They may be mad at us for half an hour. <laughs> but that's part of the job. You yeah. know, our job is not to be liked at all moments. Our job is to parent. Uh-huh. Or our job is to take care of kids in our care. And that does not mean that they have to be happy with us. That does not mean that they have to like us every moment. Yeah. But we need to do our job. So, And overall, if they feel that they are be tre- being treated respectfully with limits that, you know, are consistent and make sense, and, well, maybe they don't make sense to the kid at the time, but, you know, that they know more or less what to expect and, and that they know that if we set a limit that we, that we hold to the limit, um, they will actually relax and feel more comfortable in our presence because we're not so unpredictable. They don't really like that. Yeah. That, <laughs> sometimes she flies off the handle and yells at me. Sometimes I don't know what's, this I don't happens. Sometimes she bites the cookie. Yeah. Yeah. You know, they don't. They don't really know which when they push a button what's going to happen. But um, so don't worry. Don't let that fear stop you from setting a limit. Your kid. The worst thing that can happen is your kid will will be mad at you for a short time. But their um, continued bond with you and their affection for you is not going to waver if you set a limit. Absolutely, absolutely. And and when they're mad at you, they might be quiet for a couple of minutes and, and ignore you, and, and then you can do an adult thing by yourself for <laughs> 30 minutes, and that might feel good too. Yeah. <laughs> Got to make the best yeah. of it. Hey, Heather, you know, you know what is unlimited? Uh, no, what is unlimited? The number of times people can listen to uh, the Renegade Rules podcast. Now, there's there's a limited number of episodes, sure, but people can go back and listen to them over and over again as many times as they want because that's just the way the internet works, and and they can they can share with them, share them with their friends, and and so really, well, there's there's still a limited number of episodes. The the downloads of the episodes are unlimited, so uh, we'd really like to encourage uh, listeners to uh, you know. Go back, listen to the catalog again, uh, put earbuds in, buds in your dog and cat, have them listen to shows. Um, you know, it's, a, it's an unlimited resource we've, we've created here for you. So, you know, that, that, that's happening. We might have to translate. <laughs> for the I dog and cat? Gonna go for do- yeah. For the dog and cat? <laughs> you know, yeah. Yeah, I, I don't, uh, we'll have to work on the technology for that. Well, um, speaking of translations, though, yeah. um, it's okay not to share, and it's okay to go up the side. I think they're in five languages now. Some of them, they're still working on the translations. But if you know someone who could benefit from these ideas who speaks Mandarin Chinese, it's in Mandarin, it's in Korean, and I know that works um, translations are in the works in French, Arabic, Russian, and Romanian. That is sweet. Do you have copies of all the all the books in the different translations? Well, the ones that are totally finished, I have the Korean and the Mandarin. That's yes. awesome. I've got one of mine get translated into Japanese, and it is it is one of my favorite things to look at and not understand. I don't know if it's a good translation, but it was translated. That's kind of cool. That's awesome. So, yeah, we can't, we can't vouch for the pet translations, but, but we'll work for the humans it. out there, we're, we're starting to go global. That's so, awesome. Thank you for listening. And, um, we'll be yeah, back. We'll be limits back. are your thing. Um, check out that chapter on limits because yeah. I think it, it could really help um, relationships at every age group there. There you go. Back soon with another episode. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. Bye. And...
Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week with another episode. Music by Alexander Shoemaker. This has been an Explorations Early Learning Upstairs Studio production. Oh.